Welcome to Business Mentorship Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share their business stories in our guest blog found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Dr. Doreen Downing, a psychologist, a speaker, podcast host of Find Your Voice and Change Your Life. We're going to discuss the business of fear and her seven secrets for fearless speaking. And Doreen joins us from Berkeley, California. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Trish. What I absolutely love about your story, Doreen, is that it's actually built on your own personal experience. So what I'd like you to do for our viewing and listening audience, if you don't mind this morning, is share a little bit about your light bulb moment and why you decided to help people find your voice. Well, I think what most people relate to nowadays is that I was a professional. I had a PhD in psychology of all things. But given that my business was just sitting in one office with one person, there isn't really a lot of oh, places where I could experience my terror of speaking up in public. So that was the beginning of me, I would say, hiding, you know, really hiding behind this professional degree. Right. I love how you say that in your story. You actually say you had to get out from behind, you know, hiding behind that professional degree. I know. Isn't that ironic? Anyway, it's the truth. And I was exposed one day when a meeting planner wanted me to present my research at a conference. And I said, no, I, I'm afraid of speaking in public. And that's that I would say that moment when somebody goes, what? You? of all people. And I think so many of the people I work with have that experience where they are confront. Well, that's what they're afraid of is being that veil of professionalism being dropped and there they are exposed. So there I was exposed. And that was that moment of, uh, I, in a way you're calling it a light bulb moment. I don't know. It was like a hit over the head. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was a little bit more dramatic, right? Well, it, it, but then, then Trish, what do you do? Are you going to just say, yeah, that's true. And that's who I am because that's what so many people then just accept. Well, yeah, I'm not a speaker or I'm not somebody who can be the center of attention. I'm not comfortable. You know, I'm shy. I'm an introvert. So then they just live their life that way. Right. Well, um, I love how you say that, um, you know, you can accept the way that it is, or you can decide to make a change. So you clearly work with the people who have made the decision, this is not okay. This paralyzing fear is not okay. I need to get over this. And whether I decide to speak or not is irrelevant, but I'd like to get over the fear. You got it. That's exactly it. I'm not necessarily somebody who is trying to help everybody get on a stage, but Trish, life is the stage. Isn't that the truth? And we're all afraid of something, right? Yes, yes. Well, and speaking happens all day long, right? You know, I work with uh, people who are afraid to speak up in a relationship, right. people who are afraid to say, I love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And you know, mm -hmm. I think the thing is, would you say that the biggest fear that people have is being judged? Oh, yeah, that uh, bottom line. And then you go judged of, of what? Not being good enough, being too boring. It just, the list goes on. And I don't have to go into that today, mm -hmm. but that's exactly 
bottom line is the exposure. You know, like what I experienced in that moment was total exposure. I couldn't hide anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then whatever, whoever was working with me that day, you know, pretty much it felt like a moment of shame. Shame on you, doctor. Right. Right. Well, and because you know what, there's an expectation, right? We have an expectation that yeah. everybody has an opinion. So you obviously have a voice, but not everybody feels comfortable sharing that opinion or voice because we feel inhibited in a certain way. Yeah. Now, you've come up with these absolutely amazing, you know, severance secrets to fearless speaking. And, you know, we've already determined it doesn't matter if you're going to get on that stage and speak to an audience of 200 people, or whether you just have to speak at a boardroom meeting to your colleagues, or even one-on-one -on -one and express something to a friend or family member that you find maybe a little bit difficult. Can you share with us just one of the seven steps that you feel will get people started to help them overcome that fear? That's a great question. It's a process. I'll try and find one that feels like would be really useful for people today. Uh, because what happened is I first went to Toastmasters and I went to classes and overcoming my fear. And as good as Toastmasters is, I won contests. I still didn't reach this more vulnerable part of myself. I would say my essence. And that's why the program I lead is uh, all about finding your core strength within. And so it's a, it's a mindfulness process, you might say. So the first step, I'll just do the first two, the first step, because that's people coming to my programs and saying, what? The first step is to be still. Oh, wow. Yes. Because, you know, we all have to start somewhere, right? So, you know, we have to start at the beginning and it all starts with the first step. So your first step is be still. Yeah. It has nothing to do. Well, it has every, it has everything to do with speaking, but the stillness, learning how to quiet your mind, right? And how to find that I'm doing it right now with my fingers is just taking my fingers and going down, down, down with my breath to a center, quiet, still, grounded place. And that's presence. So the second step is be present. So the first one is be still, be present. And you could see how foundational that is for speaking, for words. So I don't, I don't start with words at all. I mean, <laughs> you got to have this core inside where I think true confidence comes from, not from what you're saying. So that's, that's the new approach that I offer for people. And it's more gentle and it's safe. And it's real because we all at certain times of the day, I mean, I certainly know that when I'm feeling overwhelmed, the first thing that I do is be still and take a deep breath. Yes. Because it sort of gives you that grounding to say, you know, it's, it's okay. What it, whatever it is, it's freaking you out. It's okay. And that happens to us all the time in the day, right? I mean, yes. even if it's just something as simple as spilling your morning coffee and you think, oh, geez, Louise, is this going to be the kind of day I'm having today? And, but you just need to take a deep breath and say, yep, you know, it's just an accident. Everything's fine. The day's going to be wonderful. Yeah. The, I, I like what you're saying around the flexibility. And then when you did that breath, I remember that one of the things I teach people is to see it as an easy breath, mm -hmm. a deep, easy breath, because usually it's like, <sighs> 
<laughs> you know, you're like gasping for air, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so true. That's so true. Now, you know, I, I did get a question from our viewing and listening audience because we do get folks who can't join us live. So they join us in our wonderful podcast or on the YouTube channel, which is library later after our discussion. And I found it a really intriguing question. And it, the question was, what happens if you've used the wrong choice of words to express what you're trying to say? And you get that look on somebody's face and think, oh, dear, uh, that's not what I meant at all. Is there a piece of advice that you could give to somebody who's used the wrong choice of words or perhaps presented their idea in the wrong way? Well, first of all, wrong is relative, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's the reaction, I think, that we get, right? And right. we see that in somebody's face. You can uh -huh. see that immediate reaction in someone's face where, you know, the smile drops just a wee uh -huh. bit or right. the eyebrow goes up yeah. or, you know, they kind of start looking around the room like, I didn't really just hear that because they're trying mm -hmm. to process what you said. Yes. That's what you just said is they are trying to process what you've just said. It seems like if you're centered, grounded and present, you would not be reacting to the reaction you'd be able to say oh did what I say just and whatever you think you right. said bothered right. them or did right. what I say not make sense to you so right. you stay in the relationship you stay engaged and rather than scurry away or try and put more layers over you to like a my good thing is hide, but yeah. So I would say uh, stay present and stay engaged and uh, ask the question. Clarify. Yeah, I love that. I love stay engaged and I love mm -hmm. stay present because if you weren't present, you wouldn't notice. Exactly. Right. You right. wouldn't notice that subtle change in body language that gave you an idea that perhaps the person was not interpreting your intention correctly. Yes, um, And in a very large group, it doesn't really matter because we're, we're not really doing the engagement one-to-one. -one. We're doing an engagement with a large group. So mm -hmm. you don't really necessarily make that one-to-one -one eye contact when, as we both know, when you're speaking to a large group. But when the group is smaller or it's a one-to-one -one conversation, you definitely pick up those emotional cues or visual cues through people's body language. And mm -hmm. I love your, your suggestion is to just stay present and ask the qualifier. And sometimes yeah. that's really difficult for somebody to do, right? Because then you start processing what you're seeing and they're processing what they're hearing. And I think that the great advice that you gave is just ask a question, just ask the qualifier, you know, if you, if they've misunderstood, you know, and then that gives people the confidence to kind of retrace their steps a wee bit. Oh, I, yes. I like the way you summed it up. Otherwise you're having two reactors. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're really, you're blowing things way out of proportion. Isn't that the truth though? When we get into some conversations with folks, by the end of the conversation, if we're really not present, things can go out of proportion because you, you know, you make a mountain out of a molehill, as that old saying goes, um, mm -hmm. and you're not really engaging with the individual in order for them to, because language is language, right? Whether we're speaking English or any other language, people can misunderstand what we're saying. Right. And language is also nonverbal. Very and that's true. what you're referring or whoever asked the question is yes. you're getting something other than the feedback you would like right. <laughs> after exactly. you said something. Yeah. So you keep saying, and I love that uh, present, stay present. 
But how do people do that? I think that that's what my program does is teach people what it means to stay present under stress. Ah, now that's a whole other layer, right? Because we were adding something to the mix now. Because clearly, you know, when you're running along tickety-boo and you've gotten smiles and heads are nodding and you're like, yes, they're getting it. But the mm -hmm. minute you get that qualifier where someone's body language has changed and then you think, oh, shoot, I've missed the mark there. What do I do? And you get stressful, right? You, be, you become now, your, your demeanor changes as the person who's trying to articulate the message. And is there anything other than the deep breath I mean, what have you done when you're, you know, here we are, we're on a stage, you're speaking to a large group of people, and you're just getting that, that physical or emotional cue that they missed the last, you know, uh, message that you were trying to convey. What do you do as a professional speaker to bring yourself back into the present to continue with your messaging? I would say that not only when I'm on a stage, but w I'm in a conversation. So remember, my whole point is life is a stage. So anytime you speak, you're engaged. And it's a, it's a presence, I think, is, yes, a deep, easy breath. But training, I think presence is like going to a gym and you train what I call the inner presence muscle. I call it the IP muscle. <laughs> and so that. that under stress you do have the ability to shift into this state of being, not speaking, but a state of being. And somebody gave me feedback once, a testimonial who said, my process is like finding grace under extreme stress. Oh, I love the word grace. I absolutely, because you know what? I don't think we give each other enough grace. Yeah. Yes. And ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Our own inner critic makes us, you know, so mm -hmm. it can paralyze us with so much fear that we forget that we all make mistakes and we have to give ourselves a little grace. And sometimes that, you know, I think that people may not even notice the things that we notice mm -hmm. that make us nervous or uncomfortable. Uh -huh. So one would be, yes, the the easy breath, deep, easy breath. But there's also many, many techniques that I have in my trainings. But one is to just look around the environment, find something that you want to focus or not want to, but you find yourself focusing on just one thing, one thing, one thing. I'm doing it right now. Ah, and then I'm back in the moment. I love it. It's really easy. I love it. I love that. I love being back in the moment because I think that in today's day and age, life is can be extremely stressful. And I think that being able to bring ourselves back to the moment yeah. really gives is a wonderful and very powerful tool. Because I can't think of anyone who wouldn't be able to use that tool to just sort of calm your mind. And it takes us right back to the very first stage in your process, right? It's just be still and be calm. And that's a really wonderful place to be. Uh -huh. Tell me where Doreen's going to be in a few years. So, I mean, you've been in a professional sphere for a number of years. You've been an entrepreneur as well. Um, give me a little indication or a little, you know, insight into where you see Doreen in another three years. Well, I love my life now. I, there isn't anything else I'd like to change about it. I, uh, I think it's more of more of me, more of life, more of. Uh, my work and more of reaching, tapping into people. I think I just recently got back on a stage after COVID. So 
probably that would be one way to be more uh, in person. your message. Yeah. 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 And how did it feel? Uh, it felt, it was interesting. I mean, yes, uh, some of that old fear came back, mm. actually. So it's, well, I just realized what I said to you a second ago about the inner presence muscle. It hadn't been developed over those right. two or three years when I yeah. stayed home and sheltered myself. Yeah, for I sure. I did a lot of uh, video, but uh, of course, it's so much different when you've got hundreds of people looking at you. And, Absolutely. And I yeah. gained a little bit of weight. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were having a wonderful, I love your, your statement that you love life just the way it is. I, I, I do. Think, is it that, that? And kudos to you because there's not many people who would actually be honest enough to say, I kind of love what I'm doing right now. Everything's exactly the way I've manifested it to be. So kudos uh -huh. to you for sharing with us that you really love where you are right now. Yeah. Thank you. One of the things that we do in the guest blog is we ask folks to share three words of advice and yours are very, very poignant for exactly what you do, but share with our viewing and listening audience, why find your voice is so important to you. Well, it's important to me because of my own life experience. I know the possibility of not having a voice and in my podcast where I've done what over a hundred episodes with people to help them, you know, to help them tell their story of not having a voice. But it feels like that's, that's who, who we are is a voice, isn't it? Yeah, we, very true. Very <laughs> and very so true. It's being, Every, it's finding, okay, here it is, Trish. <laughs> it's finding, when you find yourself, that's where your voice is. And I think we have so many layers and we don't, we're trying to impress or trying to get something that, uh, like you say, meet expectations. So right. I think whatever that means to people, the strength of yourself is where your voice is and your core strengths, your essence. Well, I want to really thank you very much for spending some time with us today because, Doreen, you've given us some very practical things that we can do to be present and to calm our mind. And I think that we should all leave with this wonderful feeling of just taking a deep breath and centering and getting back to our foundation. So thank you so much for giving our viewing and listening audience some really wonderful practical tips. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Trish. And thank you everyone for listening. I want to thank our viewing and listening audience for joining us today for this edition of Keeping It Real, where we've introduced you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find Doreen's contact information in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, visit our website at shareyourstories.online. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea. Everything is now.